nights when the moon is high. The shadows dance, evil will rise. The world between the living and the dead is deadly. So now is the time to let the horror you know in. All right, welcome back to the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. And I'm Trent. And we're missing an Ian tonight. Ian Wells, uh, missing in action. We don't know exactly what he's doing. He said he was going to be late, so he might join us on the podcast. I can imagine somewhere in his basement, someone is being filleted alive as we speak. So that's probably what it is. He did say it was Butcher Sunday. So I don't know what the hell that meant. That's right. I thought he was listening to Sunday, Bloody Sunday by U2, but it's Wells, so... Every Sunday is Sunday, bloody Sunday for Wells. <laughs> Can I just say for the record? We keep looking back like he's going to walk through the door any time and hear us. He's going to see those fucking saucer eyes. Um, so maybe unpopular opinion. Opinion? Oh, it was the um, dog. You the saw the door just swung open, and I didn't see anybody come through, and I thought it was him, and I was like, why is there nobody walking through that door? It was his victims coming to warn us. <laughs> the soul he's there. almost yeah. here. He's almost here. That's hilarious. Uh, I am not a YouTube fan. What? Yeah, I don't like YouTube. I like YouTube. I don't like YouTube, the band. Me and Darren, or oh, the band. YouTube. Yes, oh, okay. I don't like YouTube. I was gonna say, what do we do to no, you? YouTube, the band. Yeah, I. You know, not YouTube as a band. You're not the only person I've known to, to not like them. I guess I can get it. I like them a lot, but I guess I could get why you wouldn't. I don't know. Means Darren, how do you feel about you like YouTube? YouTube? I actually am not a huge YouTube fan. And I tell you a funny story. A buddy of mine's a huge YouTube fan. And we used to make fun of each other for our like you know, we both listen to metal and hair bands and everything. So there's always that one or two bands that we'd make fun of each other for. I listened to Rage Against the Machine. He made fun of them all the time. He listened to you too. I made fun of them all the time. Who do you think won out on that one? Well, <laughs> I guess it depends on how you look at it. I don't it. know. I would consider you two the more popular band. Really? I, I wouldn't. They're, they're now. both popular. I wouldn't I now, but I'm I'm saying like as far as listening, <laughs> listenability. Oh. I'm well, a metal fan. Who do you think I would like more? Right. Obviously. Rage. Right. What's funny now is that same friend of mine is just going to the Rage reunion tour. Oh. He's spending a bunch of money and going to like Milwaukee, Wisconsin <laughs> to go see him. It's like. I introduced you to this band you used to make fun of me for. So, Trey, you know some fun facts about Milwaukee, don't you? Like where the name came from? Milwaukee. <laughs> Which is Algonquin for. Who walks the in the land. door? <laughs> the man. The myth. Yeah, but I'm not a big... Sometimes you know a legend. God. Ian Wells. I'm a legend when it comes to being late. I, I accept that. <laughs> Legendary. Yeah. <laughs> Legendary tardiness. Were you finishing up the film again? Were you finishing up your homework? Like uh, not this time. I actually watched the film at like 6 o'clock this morning, but okay. I had some family visiting. so Fresh. Fresh in the minds. That's Torrance a- watched it today. Yeah. I did. I climbed that ladder today. Sweet. Which is a good segue for what are we talking on. about? Sorry. It's yeah. a great segue. We're talking about Jacob's Ladder, the 1990 version versus... Oh, was there an older version? No. There's a new version. It just came out like two years ago. It's horrible. Really? Yeah, we're not actually talking about that one. It was a piece of shit. It was one of the worst remakes ever. supposed to watch that one. No. 1990 (laughs) version. Uh, So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about the true story behind it. 
not to date myself, but I just hear you say the 1990 and think there was an older version, as if 90 wasn't fucking 32 years ago now. Yeah. You oh, the did. new one? The one from just a few years yeah. ago, right, Tim Robbins? <laughs> I was just a junior in high school. <laughs> oh, no, the new one. That's right. We're all old here. Uh, never be as old as means, though. Nobody will. We'll never be as old as means? You don't think we'll ever get to that age? I mean, he'll always be older. Let's face, oh. Let's face it. That's Chances what I meant to say. So we're going to be talking about the story behind this crazy, effed up movie I had you guys watch, Jacob's Ladder. All right, so it, it says that the, you guys remember the little ending scene uh, where it talks about the gas, the BZ, right? Yeah. So that that's kind of true. So it's not quite the exact same way that it portrays, obviously, in the movie. Uh, but BZ gas was developed by the United States Army at the Edgewood Arsenal in Maryland uh, right around the 50s, like right during the, uh, I mean, obviously we were going through the Cold War. Uh, it was during the uh, Korean War, um, and it was to be used as a military agent. Uh, later was believed to have the capability as a crowd control agent. Okay. There are no known detectors for its presence in either indoor or outdoor environments. Although chemically based, its use or possession is not specifically prohibited by the CWC, which is Chemical Warfare Convention, unless produced in certain mass amount quantities. Mm. So that's the gas. There's also a just a liquid drug form. So it is a stable white crystalline powder that is only slightly soluble in water. It is described by the U.S. Army as a central nervous system depressant. It can disrupt the high integrative functions of memory, problem-solving, attention, and comprehension. A relatively high dose produces toxic delirium, destroying the individual's ability to perform any tasks. Okay, so that was a quote from the military. Now, obviously, when the military puts shit out, it's redacted like crazy, right? So I, I went on different websites and, and tried to find some other things about it. Uh, take this with a grain of salt. So what I'm about ready to say and some of the stories I'm about ready to tell you, I mean, they might be true, uh, might be falsified, might be kind of... Be careful what you say. The military is probably listening. They might be listening. Big Brother is always listening. So, you know, but it is what it is. I mean, research on this kind of stuff uh, has come more become more norm with uh people suing for the documents right over over time trying to get the military to to give documents that so were previously without getting into the movie too much uh is the movie based on like a whole bunch of different events no wrote into one movie? no the what we're going to talk about this part is is basically the drug itself oh, so okay. the movie the movie's based partially on this dr actual drug that is, you know, a true drug that they did experiment with. Yeah. Um, some have speculated that even the Russian government used BZ um, as an incapacitating agent at the end of the Moscow theater siege. So if you know anything about that, like tons of people fell ill and died. So it was another example of chemical warfare, probably by the Russians. Uh, the Army field manuals describe the effect as mild peripheral effects of BZ occur within one hour, and a maximum central effect occurs about four hours, lasting 24 to 48 hours, with a peak at the 8 to 10 hour period, indicating the Russian forces may have deployed the gas several hours before this attack. Okay. 
Uh, first symptoms include dizziness, ataxia, which is a loss of motor control, or ataxia, vomiting, dry mouth, blurred vision, confusion, sedation leading to stupor, progressing to random unpredictable behavior with delusions and full-on hallucinations within 12 or more hours. The U.S. Army believe the most important single medical consideration is the possibility of heat stroke. So that's literally what they came out with. Oh, you know, it's, it's got all these side effects, but heat stroke could be a thing, so we can't use it on our, on our troops or on other troops because it's unethical. Now, that's a bunch of bullshit, so we're going to talk about that here in a second, too. What do you think? Heat stroke? I mean, that's just <laughs> such a cop-out answer. Like, oh, of, they're, they're, they're hallucinating. It must be the heat stroke. Well, a lot of it no would like... No disrespect to the military, but even people in the military know that a lot of what they say is some bullshit. Well, they say, they say the fevers were up to 104 degrees, so that's pretty high for an adult. You know, 104, 105, that's getting in the yeah. death range pretty quick. Uh, in a document... Now, here's, here's where you gotta got to stay with me. I don't know how much of this is true, but it's stuff I read online, so it's got to be true, right? Okay. Sure it is. In a document on the psychiatric oppression of African Americans, this is an actual document, uh, mm-hmm. produced by the Citizens Commission on Human Rights, BZ, was linked to experimentation on African American citizens throughout the U.S., especially in... Uh, research center in Kentucky at the National Institute of Mental Health Addiction Research Center in Kentucky in the mid 1950s drug addicted African Americans were given LSD to see the effects right so this is one example of the government experimenting on its own citizens and they would use poor down and out African Americans like people that were already drug addicted homeless living in shelters stuff like that uh they kept them hallucinating for 77 consecutive days before they stopped. At this same center, healthy African-American men were still being used as test subjects almost 10 years later, this time for an experimental drug called BZ, which has 100 times or more the potency and power of a normal LSD tab. This follows a long psychiatric tradition of using experimental purposes on the incarcerated, dispossessed, and others who have no voice. Okay. So that's just, and I looked further into this. That is on multiple websites about that same facility outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it probably, that probably is fairly based on some truth. You know, along with BZ, they also experimented on us with Jay-Z, and we were hooked. <laughs> it was a rough time. I'm sorry. <laughs> That was the best first joke he's ever told. Are you talking about H the Izzo, V to the Izzo? I know, that's right. (laughs) How long did you wait to say that? Were you thinking that the whole time? He wrote that in his notebook. Yeah, as soon as you started talking about BZ for some reason, I was like, Jay-Z too. He's like, I'm going to get this joke. And I was like, this joke's terrible, but I'm going to say it anyways. I'm just going to do it. It was a good one. Thank you. I liked it. Another story in the Psycho... Tomimetic. You think I'd learn to say it the second time? Who? I didn't. Uh, chemical Weapons, the Organization of the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, or the OPCW, an organization opposed to the use of chemical weapons, describes in detail the effects of BZ as a psychomimetic agent. How did I say it so quickly there? 
You didn't you think about thinking, it. Brother. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> this group of agents usually include substances which administered in low doses, which is less than 10 milligrams. So that's very small. Uh, causes conditions similar to psychotic disorders or other symptoms emanating from central nervous system, loss of feeling, rigidity, and paralysis. Mm. The effects are transitory and cause inability to make decisions and incapacitation. Several such substances, okay. Several such substances may be used. You can you can pronounce that really hard college word over there, but not substances. <laughs> Uh, are used to achieve these objectives, and only a few examples are given here. During the 1950s, studies were made of substances such as glycolic and acid esters, glycolates. Particular interest was paid to the three quinaclitic benzoles, or BZ is for short. The, is that the scientific <laughs> term for it? That is definitely the scientific term. Yeah, you guys. Uh, it's the only way I know it. Look that up. Uh, the effects of this group of sub- substances are similar to those caused by atrophine. BZ causes poisoning at doses of 0.5 to 5 milligrams. Peripheral symptoms such as distended pupils, deteriorated short-distance vision, dry mouth, and palpitations occur within 40 or 30 minutes of taking it. A serious effect of poisoning with BZ, as also with other at- atropine-like substance- substances... What the fuck is about that word? It's weird. I've never, I've never had trouble saying These substances. any word. <laughs> is an increased body temperature. Deterioration in the level of consciousness, hallucinations, and coma occur subsequently. Incapacitating after effects remain one to three weeks after poisoning. So that's a lot of shit right there for a very small microdose, right? Less than 10 milligrams. And... You can be fucked up pretty quick. Yeah. Like paralysis quick, right? So researchers Martin Lee and Bruce Schlein. Schlein. Oh, Schlein. Oh, <laughs> Did you say his name was Bruce? Schlayer. I barely knew her. What did you say his name was? Schlein. Bruce Schlein. Bruce Schlein. <laughs> Schlein. Bruce Not Schlein. Not to be confused with Bruce Wayne. Oh, okay. I was say, Bruce, isn't he, he Schmatman? The wish for Schmatman, yes. Schmabin. Confirmed that the Army and other government agencies, such as NASA, have had research and testing facilities where substances such as BZ were created for military and domestic use. <clears throat> the interesting thing about this is the Millbrook Institute, which was a psych- psychedelic central for the entire East Coast at the time, uh, was involved in this. One day, a NASA scientist named Steve Groff dropped by this facility for a visit. Dr. Groff wanted to observe how Leary, which if you don't know anything about Leary, he was one of the main scientists and that writer that wrote the major book on LSD. You probably heard about that book. It's pretty famous. Why are you looking at Wells? I'm looking at him because I have no glasses on. He's the only one I can see. And you're to my side. I can't even see your face over there. Oddly enough, in a dark basement, I'm the only one you can see. (laughs) Wow. wow. Can you be self-racist? Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. I just did it. But yeah, like there's a, there's a famous there's a famous the uh, guy that right. did the saying and it might be might not be Larry, but I think it was did the 
tune in, drop in, drop out, kind of saying what whatever the fuck that was. The whole hippie generation, like that was their motto. Hmm. Hmm. Look know. it up. Get your phone. Look Sorry. it up, drink, get your phone. He's drink looking at you. Looking at you, social media you guys manager. Are, you guys are killing me on this episode. We're usually <laughs> like really quick. With I don't those. really know what to look up. Uh, the hippie, 60s hippie motto. Life's a garden, are, dig it. Something drop out. <laughs> there you go. Something, something drop out. I get, I get no signal drop back in, drop out. It's talking about taking dungeon. LSD. You get enough signal. Hippie motto for Sometimes. LSD. <laughs> anyway. Dr. Goff wanted to observe how Leary and his clan ran their sessions. They gave him some acid. Oh, they just gave him some acid? That's Turn on, fun. tune in, and drop out. Okay. That's it? You're cool. That's the saying, and that's like a big hippie saying. Turn it on, tune in, and drop and out. And it was for the whole hippie generation, the anti-war movement, the, uh, the whole movement against uh, oppression, the power... The government, the power, the power, power. Right. power to the people. That's good. Exactly, it was all that. That was the saying, and Leary wrote that book about LSD, and that heart started the whole hippie movement in Haight Asbury, in uh, San Francisco. Anyway, well, Forrest Gump he, left that part out of the hippie movement. He now, <laughs> so I didn't know about it. He now uh, was with this group, and the the Doctor Goff wanted to see what they were doing, so they gave him some acid, and he turned in. Or he, in turn, provided samples of a secret drug known only as JB-118, which the military developed into an incapacitating agent. Similar to the Army's BZ, this potent super hallucinogen simulated a kind of freefall at the time, triggering bizarre visions and hallucinations. So, all of these major scientists were getting picked up by the government and NASA, you know, the, the military and NASA, Right to start experimenting with these drugs as early as the 1930s and 40s, mm. all the way into the 50s and 60s. So yeah. we look at this counterculture movement that started in America in the 60s, and a lot of that stuff, even though you know there was the drug policy in the 80s, say no to drugs, and Nixon before that trying to get people to uh, go against the drug county hippie culture, the government actually created it. It was the CIA, right? That created drugs? That created these drugs. Yeah. And and they were using some of these... I mean, they were recruiting, actively recruiting chemists into their programs, right? In NASA and, you know, just just to experiment and see what it would do for to the soldiers, what it would do for the soldiers, what it would do to the enemy. Sure. You know, how it would affect people if we did go to space, stuff like that. However, the question remains as to how these studies continued after research and use of the hallucinogens were banned by the government and the FDA. Lee and Schlein report that, in fact, the FDA was in, was in collusion. The FDA was in collusion, which means you know all of the senators and congressmen were in collusion with the CIA. Up until the early kids. 1960s, LSD studies had flourished without any government restrictions. The CIA had sponsored numerous research projects to enhance its mind control capabilities. By this time, the CIA and the Army had developed a series of super hallucinogens, such as the highly touted BZ, which was thought to hold greater promise as a mind control weapon. Now, 
I will send you guys this out later after this episode, and we will probably maybe put it on our website, but there's all kinds of videos that are now declassified of the government experimenting on actual citizens, soldiers, and other scientists, putting them in rooms, giving them micro doses of LSD, mega doses of LSD, doses of BT, you know. The T virus. Or BZ. The T virus, BT. yes. BZ. All kinds of stuff, right? <laughs> and that's the that's the thing about that I want you guys to get from this episode, that our government uh, has a long history of not only lying to us, but using their political power to say, well, it's for the greater good, right? So this also, story... Ahead, sorry. <clears throat> I was just going to say, so this story is my first time hearing, hearing of, what is it, DZ? BZ. BZ? Mm-hmm. It's my first time hearing of this, but I've always heard about, like, the military experimenting on soldiers with Agent Orange, like in Vietnam or something like that. Does anybody here know anything about that? Well, the the dust from Agent I've, Orange apparently would get in people's lungs, cause cancer, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I heard of people yeah. like suffering from still. Like I know a guy today that's like suffering, like he's got cancer because of Agent yeah. Orange. I didn't put this on here, but there's actual uh, there's actual God. story in Texas outside of Dallas. There's this little town, and this is back in the 30s. And the government was trying to find a way to kill the locusts that were killing all the the plants right after the dust bowl, right? Yeah. Uh, so they were trying to get rid of these grasshoppers, basically, is what it was. So they were like experimenting with DDT, which is a toxic chemical that they used to put on plants and stuff like that, crops. But you can't use DDT anymore, right? We found out it kills people and causes cancer in large numbers. Now, the interesting thing about it is uh, they, to test it, they went through this little town through a patriotic July 4th parade. And at the very beginning of the parade was a government float that had a fake looking bomb on it, right? And would they were parading it through the town and it was smoke coming out of the, the little rocket thing on the back. Yeah. It's supposed to be fake smoke. They were shooting DDT on the crowd to see what it would do to them. Oh and then my they, God. they they tested them and like saw what the effects were like a year later. And some of the people had already started getting cancer because they were literally just shooting DDT into their face. It's crazy. Anyway. I've always heard people say that like uh, crop dusting is like the government dropping chemicals on us too. Not the same kind, Trent. I saw you look at me. Not that kind of crop dusting. Oh, I'm dropping chemicals. Different kinds. <laughs> I crop dusted my way through our carters yesterday. Uh, this is not toilet humor, it's toilet tragedy. Sorry for anyone who was in there with me. So in 1962, Congress enacted new regulations that required that anyone who wanted to work with LSD had to receive special permission from the FDA. This was the first in a series of increasingly restrictive measures with respect to LSD, but the CIA and the military were not inhibited by any of these new drug laws. A special clause in the regulatory policy allowed the FDA to issue selective exemptions that favored certain researchers. With this convenient loophole, the FDA never attempted to oversee in-house pharmacological research conducted by the CIA and the military. The FDA simply ignored all the studies that were classified for reasons of national security, and the CIA and military investigators were given free reign to conduct their covert experimentation. This experimentation lasted until the 1970s and 80s. So they were experimenting with drugs. Now that also brings up the point, and this is 
maybe true, maybe urban legend, kind of like what you're saying, you know. I don't necessarily think crop dusters are killing us, giving us mind control stuff, but... I beg to differ. There's a bunch of people that were walking behind Trenton that Carter's yesterday that would beg to differ. <laughs> the, uh... The 1980s, late 70s and early 80s saw a huge increase in crack cocaine in inner cities. Mm-hmm. And there has been multiple accounts of possible CIA involvement of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. My point is I wouldn't put it past the fucking government anymore. You know what I'm saying? They do a lot of shady shit. There's a, there's a lot of shady shit that our government and especially the CIA has done over the years. This is just one example, uh, but there are many other examples. I I definitely think the uh, the LSD and the the BZ and possibly the crack cocaine mm-hmm. <laughs> has been experimented with and put into the population at some point in time, right? Uh, I don't know. It's very touchy subject I mean it's just kind of speculation at this point um, to say going forward that that's a thing that they still do you mean like to this day is that what you're saying I absolutely think our government to this day still does experiments that we will never know about on all kinds of ballistics on weaponry on drones on computer hacking and drugs. Speaking of which, Trent, what did you put in these chips? Don't worry about it. Just, just eat up, bud. No. Okay. All right. Awkward silence. <laughs> love it. I love it. So there's really not a lot of lot of stuff to say about any of this. Stuff well, yeah, like I said, we'd be going down a rabbit hole if we started getting into the the whole government conspiracy thing. And I mean, I'm just. This, these aren't even conspiracies, though. The, like, the websites I'm getting this off of has redacted documents from the government. No, I mean conspiracies like going for, like, saying that they could be experimenting now. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 um, this, this stuff definitely happened in the 50s, the 40s, the 60s, the 70s. I mean, this definitely happened. Uh, there's vis- videos of the actual tests that are now de- declassified. You can look them up. And I'll, I'll send you links to those, but it's pretty kind of weird. Uh, they, it's nothing like the movie. They weren't aggressive and violent. In fact, they were the exact opposite. They got to where they were hallucinating. They were doing the same things over and over. They're getting more lethargic. They couldn't perform tasks. And they were like, there's one where it's like four people in a room. One had a placebo. One had a microdose, one had a regular dose, and one had a superdose. And the superdose dude was fucked up beyond all comprehension for a while. And I then, like, so. he starts coming down, and then he's like, realizes like 10 hours later, they're locked in this room. <laughs> and he's like, oh shit, you know. And this happened in real life? Yeah, there's a video of it. Wow. Uh, there were about 30 soldiers that were exposed and never regained all their mental faculties. Uh, this one person said in the comments, he said he was actually in the military at the time. He was like, there are about 30 of them estimates run about 25% of those exposed will have permanent impairments. It will not be dose dependent. Even small doses can cause lasting harm. So this, this super hallucinogen apparently can cause some bad things. Now you guys have all heard stories. I don't know if you've ever 
done anything that's a hallucinogen. I've always tried to stay away from those type of drugs because they scare me. Uh, but I've heard of people like taking doses of certain things and it just messes them up for life. And I've heard of people that take it on a weekly or monthly basis and they're cool with it. Yeah. I mean, it. I, I think it depends on the person, but I'm telling you right now, what I don't like about it, and some people were even making the comment, well, the government should still or be able to test for these drugs. What if they come up with a breakthrough for the mind or this and that, you know? Um, and I'm all for that, you know? Like, Native Americans with natural drugs have broken through to different planes of existence within their own minds, you mm. know? Peyote and stuff like that. I mean, they had, like, types of acid. Mm. These Amazon rainforest people would lick frogs, you know? Yeah. So... Trent's licked a frog before, haven't you? I wouldn't recommend it. Trent's licked my frog. What? Wow. My, I, have a, get, I have a frog upstairs. He's a pet. He's and we a were pet. just talking about... Uh, <laughs> Your frog licker. We were just talking about Mean saying that he's never held anybody's hand. <laughs> like a man's hand. Remember we were talking about... He didn't say he hasn't licked a man's hand. That's true. He just hasn't held a man's I hand. I probably licked a few man's hands. No <laughs> lie. To lick that man's hand, you can pop my balloon. Not sure what that. Oh, my. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> this All right, so went off the rails really quick. <laughs> that was probably one of our quickest detours. We've got a. Uh, we have a another movie that I want to get to later on that talks about government experimentation and a totally different drug and a totally different conspiracy. Uh, but so we're gonna end there. But I will say couple things about this movie before we start getting into the movie. Uh, some of the stuff that the writer and director said about the movie is interesting, so I want to go into that. The writer, actually, uh, he was a a young student, and he, he started writing on LSD in 1965, so he started tripping. And he said his roommate at the time was a good friend of Leary's, which we just talked about, right? Dennis uh, Leary, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dennis. <laughs> He's an American psychologist. Is that the penguin from Adam West Batman? <laughs> yeah. Burgess Meredith. <laughs> He's a writer known for his strong advocacy of psychedelic drugs, and he gave this guy, the writer, a tablet of LSD in 1965. He said it was very strong and that I should take it when I felt the time was right. That's good instruction. You'll know. You'll know. You'll know when the time You'll is right. Know. So I kept it in my wallet for about six months because I was scared. The day I decided to take it, a man arrived at our apartment. He was bringing a jar of lysergic acid, which is pure liquid LSD, with him from laboratories in Switzerland. He asked if he could leave it in our refrigerator before going to Millbrook. Now, Millbrook was that place I told you that had NASA scientists and Leary and all them experimenting for the government on Directed this. Directed Blazing Saddles, yeah. So, so the guy that actually like wrote this movie <laughs> was friends with that guy and knew people that were scientists in this lab, right? Mm -hmm. So he actually had first-hand knowledge of this. Uh, all, of the, all of the guys there were devoting their time to the, the experimentation on LSD. That night, I took the tab and had been, that had been sitting in my wallet, and nothing happened. My roommate said, well... <laughs> he actually well, pulled a condom out of his wallet and put it on his tongue. <laughs> I don't feel anything yet. <laughs> his roommate said, Very well... Chewy. We have this pure 
lysergic acid sitting in the fridge. Why don't you go get an eyedropper and I'll give you a drop? I said, okay. So he went to give me a drop and by mistake squeezed thousands of micrograms of LSD down my throat. God. <laughs> it's like a turkey baster. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like that movie where the blind guy. Oh, God, I knew you were going to say uh, that. Don't breathe. Don't breathe. Turkey baster full of cum. Oh, I Whoa. forgot about that part. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. That little Actually, drip drop. With, woo. I like that movie a lot, but I forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah. that was disgusting. That's the grossest part of the movie. Maybe that's why I repressed it. Okay, so the subsequent LS, LSD trip Ruben, which is the, the guy that wrote it, experience changed his whole outlook on life, death, and spirituality. He was messed up for quite a few days, right? But he decided, with his mind-altering experience, he dropped out of the the internship he was doing, basically, and he started traveling the world and started going to different countries and learning about their culture and religions hmm. and doing drugs everywhere all over the world. So he did this for a few years. According to screen, the screenwriter Ruben, the idea of Jacob's Ladder was inspired by a dream he had later on after all these trips in the late 70s. So you're talking... 60s and 70s, this dude basically did exactly what the saying was. He dropped out. He he, he dropped some ass and just dropped out. Dropped off of society, started doing his you'll, own thing. You don't have that. So he was inspired by a dream, and he was already like writing different movies. He actually wrote Ghost with uh, D- Demi Moore and shit. So it's kind of weird that he wrote this movie. Shit. <laughs> just a pile of His shit. name is Patrick Swayze. Patrick you get it right, Swayze. sir. You uncultured swine. <laughs> so Swayze he wrote, crazy. He was inspired by a dream where he was trapped in a subway. After years of struggling to get the script produced, the story was retooled as soon as Adrian Lin was boarded with the project. Ruben also cites Bardo Thodol and the Tibetan Book of the Dead as major inspiration for the story. Mm. He also has a, uh, an award-winning short called Owl Creek Bridge that came out in 1961. Now this this story was about a guy that was about to get hung by a bridge and he in his mind thinks that the rope breaks, he gets away falls in love with this girl and blah 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 and then all of a sudden he's falling in his neck snaps. I've seen this. Yeah. It's an old black and white. Yeah. 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 He like falls and swims through like this river and everything. Yeah. And he has this whole image. Like, yeah. At the very end, and it was just end, his like, last oh, thoughts before he died. Snapped, the whole yeah. his life flashing before his eyes. It's ru- well, yeah. what he thought would be. That's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. I, What's I, it I called again? Owl Creek Bridge. Owl Creek Bridge. Yep. I would I still enjoy it if I watched it today? I've never it's seen it. It's not very it. long. I just read about it. It's not very long. It's uh, a short. Yeah. So for the visual aesthetic of the movie, director Lynn drew inspiration from several real-life artists. He cited the photography of Joe Peter Witkin as a major inspiration, particularly his 1976 photo, Man With No Legs. So you remember oh, the scene with the man with no what's legs? What's his face from the last episode? Anderson No Legs Lucas, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about this movie. He couldn't stand the those The guy bitches. with no legs. <laughs> uh, the image is reflected most in the hooded man rapidly shaking his head in the film. Other artists he uh, looked at was... Francis Bacon, H.R. Geiger, William Blake, as well as photographer Diane Arbus. So, yep. let's talk about the film. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Said no Me, one ever. Go first. Means you brought this I mean, I could talk us. about it. 
So have you I've been seen, talking a long time. Have you seen both this one and the the 2019 version? The remake is horrible. I was gonna say, which one did you like? Better? Oh gosh. I want to talk yeah. about the Huey Lewis song, Jacob's Ladder. Is anyone on board? Oh. <laughs> I want step to talk about the biblical story in Jacob's Ladder. The biblical story. Yeah, I'm just teasing. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> What's the next line? I, sorry, I got distracted. I don't know. Let's finish it. Finish it. Did you guys notice at the beginning of the I can't movie? Remember. I know the tune. Step by step. <laughs> Me and Ian are on Huey Lewis Gosh, over dang. here. You got to reel us back in. Sorry, uh, and then so. you're talking about Huey Lewis. Then I think of American Psycho. Hey, Paul. I feel like I'm just comes like moonwalk. Yeah. I feel like I'm doing an acid <laughs> trip right now. That's how every episode with us should feel. Yeah, like. we, we are, yeah, I just hope our listeners don't feel like it's an acid trip. Hey, they everyone with this song, they should know how we are. By well, let's get random. into. All right, here we go. I'll talk about the movie. I got a question. I'll start us off with. Wait, before you say that though, did you notice all of the religious and biblical and drug references throughout the movie yes probably not all of them but some yeah like there were posters and books like when he was rummaging there were so through, many there were quick, like books there were so many quick little inserts that it yeah. was kind of hard to keep up when with he was all. reading like, books on like demonology and then he the, uh, referred to his kids as having all biblical, biblical names ones, which and then he and never then, referred to himself and as then his one. girlfriend made fun of him and he's like where do you think the name jezebel came from yeah well, like one of the first things you see is on the subway is the sign about going to hell. So you know it's going to be. Yeah. Well, that's, heavily that was my that was my stuff. question is that um, do you think? So like obviously the whole chemical experimentation was like a backdrop, but then I also think the whole movie was just him learning to be at peace before he could go to heaven. So do you think he actually was chemically experimented on, or do you think he just yes. got killed in action? And he absolutely the whole movie was his last moments of dying. Right. And he was dreaming all this. Right. Which was elements of his life before that actually either happened or didn't happen. He just thought about them. And he, at the very end, died on that gurney right. or that table in Vietnam. But that's yeah. the part that confused me. That was a big twist. And he was, he was really dead. And the Danny Aiello character, the chiropractor was kind of like an angel. And he tells him at that point in time, they could be demons if you hold on, but if you Which let go, the those whole demons could be angels. Hell is like what you perceive it to be. Like if you exactly. let go or this so is he was going to hell before he finally made He's, peace. But the point of the movie, the point of the writer saying it is there is no heaven or hell. It's like supernatural. There's just like you see what I'm saying. Like he, he, he's not saying there's a heaven or hell. The point is, it's like, are you getting released at the end of this? If you hold on to those things, you're going to your spirit's going to be trapped in that. So, here's the thing that, that hell that, right before you die. Gotcha. Here's the thing that tripped me up though. So you're saying like they really had the experimentation in real they, life? Yeah. Gotcha. Here's here's what boggles my mind. Maybe you guys can explain it. Because again, I was like half out of it when I watched it. Because I just woke up and watched it this morning. He, I get the twist and everything that you're laying down. I'm picking up. I promise. What what confused me was if the whole thing was just this big like come to Jesus moment, so to say. Well, how did he have the conversation with the guy and know about? the compound that they made and used. You know what I mean? How did he know that? Because if if we follow the direction of the actual story, 
they take this shit, they turn on each other, he gets killed, he has flashbacks, I get that, but there's no way in between time that he would have known that. Yeah. But during the uh, supposed uh, flashback or whatever, he talks to that chemist in the one scene, so... Yeah, something. So here's my point. Is that maybe something that happened in real life before? But that's what I'm saying. If He would have never known that, though. If he would have known that, then he would have known... They took the drug... They willingly took the drug. Willingly? Yeah. That's what I we're saying? They, I, they took the drug. Because I thought they got attacked with it when they the were The chemist like, said that they, that they the snuck in their food. But the chemist wasn't real. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, how do we know that they took it willingly? Is it just implied? I think it's more implied that he <clears throat> knew, because he was the least amount dosed. Because there were some that had way more. There was some that had less, but it was making them aggressive, right? He yeah. wasn't aggressive, and he was kind of knowing what was going on, yeah, but then it was like he was out of it was to where it was like... Times. There was that one scene where he got like real aggressive with his wife or girlfriend. He was, he's talking about real life. life. Yeah, real he's life talking about now. Real life. Oh, like being on the drug itself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Every, I, didn't, everything I, didn't between, as, I didn't take it as he did it willingly. Uh, well, even if he didn't... All that stuff was made up in his head. That's what I'm saying. It's like he was going through his personal hell. Well, and I get that, but what I'm saying is how could he make up what actually happened? Because <laughs> they actually did have the, the drug. So how could he have made up in his head, like, okay, this chemist We see this, the beginning and this. the ending in real time. His dreams never show any of that. But in this dream... In that- Vietnam, it never shows it. It just shows flashbacks of it, and then the chemist tells him. So it's like... His brain's figuring this out. Is what I'm assuming. And he also saw his buddy like puking and going nuts at the beginning too. Yeah. When they were so maybe Vin, he started to suspect. So the only yeah, stuff- but I'm just saying that it's, again, it's speculation. I'm saying like that's a huge leap to just assume that he yeah, knew. Yeah, I didn't really get that either when I watched it. You know what I mean? Because but- like if if like the, the fact that he had it spot on, like oh, this is exactly what happened, and that is exactly what happened. I mean, I guess I we didn't really know think about that a knowing. lot while watching it, but now that you bring it up, like I just don't know. Right. I guess I don't know. Well, the I whole thing know. is like, how do we know that's what actually happened? I, I think his they... brain is processing that that's what happened. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he figured out in his head that they got drugged and he started seeing all this shit going on right before he takes off to run, mm-hmm. and then some guy that's his friend pops out and stabs him twice in the belly, and then he passes out and he's dying, is his brain processing all that while it's going on before he dies? I get what I don't he's know, saying. That's what I'm like, saying. Like, I get the, what Ian's saying, like how it can be confusing. But yeah. I also like, I think that's part of the charm of this movie is uh, like, it's one of those movies where the journey itself is like more important than the destination where you wind up at the end. So yeah, and like, it wasn't this, like this trip into this psychosis is a bunch of random events, and I think that's just part of it. Like, we're not really supposed to know why he knew this. Well, that's what I'm story. saying. My my thing is, we don't even know if they weren't willing participants, because we don't know that. All we're seeing is pieces of his brain flashing back to weird things that might be connected, might not be connected. Yeah. He might have never dated that woman and lived with her. She well, might have just been his friend that he flirted with at the well, post office and, and never ever lived with her. No, I mean, but that's kind of my point too. Though, like, we don't. They gave it. It's very broad. It's very wide open to speculation. Like, there's no real facts. He had two different families. Yeah, it's an LSD fucking 
super hallucinogenic trip. I didn't understand that, or did I? I'm miss not something? talking about during the 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 trip or whatever. I'm just talking about like in general. Like, did did he know? Did he do it willingly? Uh, I think the trip um, made a lot of sense to me. Uh, manifesting a girlfriend named Jezebel. Yeah. Um, that he might have known at that work. That he might have like known at work because he said that he had recognized her from a post from the post office when he was in bed with his, his wife and he said oh I had that crazy dream I was with the girl Jezebel you remember yeah. Jezebel she works at the post office okay and then he's back with her it was horrible yeah. she's a demon it was horrible <laughs> and she's a demon she had the best thighs she had but great it was horrible thighs. I thought it was horrible she had great thighs yeah, yeah. she did have pretty good thighs but yeah no like the whole <laughs> in between of the actual like him dying and being on the on the trip or whatever was, was fine to me I, I enjoyed it I thought it was a really well done movie yeah um, Thank it was, you. It was fucked up. You're welcome. Did you do it? This no, is literally hard. one of my favorite movies. That's your best movie since long. Oh, I thought you like directed it. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was going yeah, to I, I wrote it. I'm Ruben. I didn't know anything about this movie going into <laughs> it, like other than the, the quick little description I read online. I've seen bits and pieces of it before, but I've never watched it to completion. So well, I, I was I surprised a lot by the cast, too. Like, There's a lot of people I didn't know were going to be in it. Bing Rames, Jason Alexander, Macaulay Culkin, who's not even credited on Eric LaSalle. Don't remember Soul Glow. Oh Frank, mm. so glow. You know what I'm talking about, uh, Eric LaSalle? No, the no. black guy from uh, Coming to America, had the curly Jerry curl. Oh really? That was Eric LaSalle. Anyway, whatever. Is, is he the same? Does he play on ER? Is that that mm-hmm. guy? Okay, yep. same yeah. guy. Also known as the black guy from yeah. ER. Yes. And the uh, the guy that played the chiropractor, what other movie was he in? It was like a comedy, oh, but he, he was, was like a, a lot of things. That was Danny Aiello, so he He's was played in like like a lot of like mob comedies, movies. Yeah. Mob movies. I was gonna say when I see him, I always do the right thing, wasn't he? In the original script, the demonic hallucinations Jacob suffers from assumed many scenes depicted in the Bible. These would have included winged beasts, horned demons, cloven-hooved monsters. But when Lynn boarded the project, he axed the biblical imagery for fear of them being too ridiculous to the audience. So instead, he felt the hallucinations would be far more terrifying if they resembled human beings. This led to Lynn's research on the thalidomide scandal of the 1950s, and he opted for imagery of physical deformities caused at birth. You guys ever heard of thalidomide uh, mm, stuff? No, but Negative. I do think the imagery in this movie was creepy as hell. And it probably was. did work better than biblical imagery. That, He's yes. in Harlem Nights. Is that what it is? It's Harlem okay, Nights. I knew it was something funny. Yeah. So, uh, it's a great movie. Nice. Thank you for looking that up. The thalidomide stuff was basically in the 1950s and 60s, they came out with a pill called thalidomide. And it was supposed to be for women that were pregnant to help with childbirth and cramps and, and like uh, just birthing pains and this and that to ease their transition. What ended up happening was these women were basically experimented on. They, I mean, they gave their willing trust in the government like we all do. You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. think Tylenol is going to be safe. You take Tylenol, right? So they thought it'd be safe. They started having these thalidomide babies that were literally born with deformities and they looked like they had seal flippers and stuff like that Uh, you're born with a seal flipper no Mm -hmm. one said anything about Mm -hmm. it he he was born with uh, crazy legs that's why web toes so there's a gills (laughs) I I have have platypus there's a whole bunch of documentation on thalidomide and it's it's a poor use by the government but 
Uh, this guy did some research. Seal flipper. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to anyone out there that has a seal flipper. That sounds horrible. That literally is how they describe it. Like, the they look like, come after they look our like flippers. For knowing too Somebody's much. out there, well, I never <laughs> turn this shit off right now. Smacking the screen. Can't quite, can't quite stop, stop. <laughs> we just got canceled. Yeah. Well, what those two say does not represent me and Wells. That's right. The views expressed by Ian Torrance and Trent Person. If that, if that offends you, but Wells not being a real life serial killer, flame banging people. Well, in you know, basement. I haven't been convicted yet, so people don't know that's we true. We bring the comedy. We're here to <laughs> goof off, right? That's right? Also, every special effect in and Jacob's on. Ladder was achieved by in camera effects the day it was filmed not a single computer generated image or post-production optical effect was ever employed for the iconic shot of the shaky head uh for example lynn filmed the actor swerving his head around while keeping the rest of his body entirely still he shot the actor at four frames per second when the footage was sped up to 24 the effect appears that the man was rapidly wagging his head back and forth Am I the only one that thought the most disgusting like effect in this movie was the homeless man on the subway With the penis tail yeah yeah that was like Freddy was that Krueger's what that was penis. supposed to be? And he he lit well he because I watched it, it and like. I was like was that a cock? It was disgusting. <laughs> so I didn't know what it was supposed so, to be. So <laughs> going back to what I just said about the biblical imagery, he thought in the script like the the whole dance scene, right? Remember the dance scene? Yes. Yep. The whole the dance demons, scene. Like, I was enjoying was that music until shit went sideways. All demons everywhere. Everybody was supposed to turn into demons in the script. Once again, Lynn thought that would be silly and the, the crowd would laugh. So it would be creepier if you just show bits and pieces and then done it with flash, with uh, strobe lights. That way it look, you weren't quite seeing what you were seeing. Yeah. And he wanted that to be a theme throughout the film. Like, what's scarier than a man looking at you but you can't see his face? You only well, see... more stuff. Watch this movie if you're what, epileptic. What's scary? Can you tell if it's a dick or a tail? Like a demon. Well, tail. that's what I'm saying. Like all the tail. stuff that you could tail. tell it wasn't right, but you couldn't quite tell what it was. It's like it was the little more... Jason Alexander tale from that movie. <laughs> oh, Shallow Hell. Starts wagging it at the yeah. end. But no, but it yeah, was it was gross. more it was more subtle and not as quite in your face because I kind of had to like almost squint sometimes to be like, That doesn't look right. But well, then it was well, kind of the demon wings too, they they specifically had this torso to look like demon wings, but also look fleshy and bony to look like the thalidomide babies. Yeah. So when the demon wings coming forward, it's not quite a formed wing like a demon or a bat would look like. Yeah. The tail was coming up and kind of snaking around like H.R. Geiger alien type stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, the horn coming through her mouth was scary. You know, like, it was a lot of weird imagery. Her, even her eyes with the little pointy teeth in that one image. That was, yeah. Where yeah, he pushed her. Yeah. So he's getting, like, all these weird things. And they did all that in-camera, in-house type shit. So the best scene in this movie to me is when uh, Danny Aiello comes screaming in the hospital. Just kidnaps a Get man up. from his hospital room. <laughs> he picks this up that thing. Take no one, step closer and I will wrap this around you. <laughs> no one decides to try and stop him at all. Just like, he's crazy. Sir, you he's can't crazy. do that. No, it's, it's, <laughs> let, it's let him go. He's crazy. Let it's great go. because like one of, one of the guys in the scene, you can hear him in the background. No, it was one of the nurses. When he's walking off, you hear, don't worry, they'll stop him downstairs. And the next scene is them <laughs> in his office. I was like, yeah, nobody's stopping him downstairs. So, someone no. else will take care of that. Don't worry. Anybody. Well, that's another scene that Lynn changed from the script was when they were bringing him in after they kidnapped him and he had to go to that hospital. They were supposed to take him into these portals to a hell, right? He thought that would be laughable. So instead, he made it go from 
a regular hospital to a kind of broken down hospital to straight up fucking craziness with her in it and he put her directly in it so you could make that association that one that scene she that was like part of his demon that one scene that looked know? like wells's basement yeah with all the body parts <laughs> yeah, laying yeah, everywhere you say kind of run down that place was yeah a freaking nightmare like every every part of this movie had different parts like and meanings for biblical stuff that, that was supposed to be in the script but wasn't like him trying to get out of the train subway at the beginning and it being locked so he couldn't go up which is kind of an allegory for going to heaven the stairway up. but at the same time that part kind of at first it started off a little dicey to me because when he got down there and he was like oh I'm on the wrong side of the track I need to get over there and he gets down across the track I was like he is taking way too long to get across there way too much risk way too much risk like why is he going diagonally just go straight across now there's another scene that they cut from the film there's about six scenes they cut from the film and one of them was that that scene he goes into one of the bathrooms and apparently there was a man getting raped in it (laughs) and I'm kind of glad they cut that scene but there was also another scene that they cut which was where the chemist tells him when he's telling him the whole story and what happened he actually says I've got a cure for this I've got the antidote because they BZ did have like kind of an antidote to it. So he was going to give him the antidote and make him take a, you know, a chemical liquid. And he was supposed to basically trip safely to get him to not see these demons anymore. They actually taped that and then they didn't use it. And I, I'll show it to you guys later. It's on like the special features, but I'm kind of glad they did not use that scene. Cause it's, it's a little bit hokey and I think it would have taken away from the message. And then the last scene with the the uh, little boy, which is Macaulay Culkin, little Macaulay, mm-hmm. poor guy, he's been a good lot son. of films. This was pre Home Alone, Macaulay. <clears throat> pre Home Alone, by what two years, maybe Probably. three years. Mm-hmm. When that he's not out? credited online, but on Amazon Prime, they credit him as being in the movie. Or was it the same year? The first. This wasn't his 90- first movie, though, was it? I don't know. I don't think this so. came out in 1990. When did he was uncredited on the DVD? Well, because uh. He was an Uncle Buck. I can't remember. I thought Uncle Buck came out in like 89, 90. I don't remember. IMDb Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. When did Home Alone out. come out? It was 90 or 91. I he think. looked older in this movie so to me been. than he did in Home Alone. Maybe See, just he looked, was I, thought I thought he, he looked, looked younger. younger. I thought really? he did too. Yeah, I thought he looked younger in this one. But anyway, he uh, the very last scene where he sees his son, which obviously died in real life before he went to Vietnam or something. Yeah, he right? got hit. By a car. Yeah. So that was messed up. Him going up the stairs was supposed to represent because the very ending scene was supposed to be him going up the stairs to actual heaven, and he was like, you know, why would we do that? Because we've already showed him at the top of his apartment. Let's let him go upstairs with him, and that's just kind of an allegory for him finding his peace. Yeah. Right. And then that's when we see him coming out of it on the gurney, and he dies, and he's got this kind of smile on his face. Home Alone was in 1990 as well, but Uncle Buck was 89. It's possible Jacob's Ladder filmed maybe a couple of years before it was released. Well, they too. did have trouble releasing it, so it might have. He did a few like TV so shows, and then he was in a movie called Rocket Gibraltar and See You in the Morning. Poor Macaulay Culkin. Rocket. He didn't even know how much money he had until he was 18. Brit- <laughs> the horror you know. Doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading that earlier because I was like, I know that's Macaulay Culkin, so I had to look him up and make sure he was actually in it. 
Or did you just hallucinate? Make sure I wasn't hallucinating. <laughs> they also had another scene where Jesse was that, that she was either. Either. Oh, no. that a was demon, Gary Cole, and he has to fight her, <laughs> Gary Cole, to get rid of her. But then he sees himself. He sees himself looking back at himself, realizing that he's the actual demon. The demons in his mind. So they cut that, and I, I'm glad they cut that too. They cut all the right scenes, I think. I don't know. I want to see the uncut version. Why? So why do you there is none? They they have the scenes though. Why were you we happy that they them. cut that? Because I feel like when you over-explain, it takes away from like this argument there, not argument discussion that we had to try to figure it out. Because you're looking at it one way, you're looking at it one way, I'm looking at it one way, he's looking at. It thousands of people that watch this movie look at it and re-watch this is a movie you can re-watch and find new things or try to figure something out and like I think it leaves a little bit of, to interpretation yeah. I would say this movie definitely has a rewatch value but I would also say that like the the twist at the end is one of those kind of like similar to the sixth sense like after you see it that first time it's never going to have the same effect on you well, but it'd be fun to go back and try and catch things I, now. there's still I, people I, arguing online about what the ending actually meant though I think it's clear but like once me. I realized he was dead I just assumed he was just like that was his last hallucination between life and death and like he like think about that like if your life flashes before your eyes right before you die if you have that long to do that what would you see? Would it be an amalgamation of memories before you're extinguished? Or if you believe in... Here's what freaks me out. You have to, by science, energy cannot fully dissipate. Right? Right. It goes on somewhere else. And if everything's ran by certain electricity and energy, there's got to be some kind of almost like a soul whether you want to say it's a soul or you want to say it's just energy, it's got to go somewhere else, right? Native Americans, every culture believes in that. They believe that when you die, you're, you're, you're part of the earth or, you know, something else moves on from you. You're not just... So my point is, like, when people are going through these things in their mind right before their human life is getting snuffed out... <laughs> In Will's terms. Will's uses those terms. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what plane of existence will you go to? Or if not, where, what's your... And that's why I think it's funny, or kind of, not funny, kind of cool the way Danny Aiello's character is. And then what he says to him on his very last visit with him when he pops his back all those times. He explains that to him. He's like, you know, we're, we're our own harbors of sorrow or peace, you know. And, and where we decide to move on is that how we react to that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. My dad died in 2011, right? He knew it. He knew it was coming. And it happened for about a year and a half, year, something like that. He just started withering away. But the more he got close to death, the closer he got spiritually to something else and he actually got saved before he died and it was one of those deathbed type confessions like a week later he died literally after he got saved right so whether you believe in religion or not I believe it purely purified his soul right it made him go to that plane of existence to where he was acceptant 
And I think some people get there and some people don't. And that's why I think it was cool. But when he, like the day before he died, I went to his house and I was going to stay all night because I always stayed all night to carry him to the bathroom. So I did not stay that night. But the day before, or that day that he died in the, the next morning, the day that I was there with him, my sister was there and he started looking up and just talking out of his head, looking up in the corner of the room. He started talking to his mom. Mm-hmm. And he started talking to his dad. And he started talking to somebody else that I didn't know he was talking to. But he was, like, literally looking to them. Yeah, I went through that with my grandmother. I my grandpa what they were doing. Well. My yeah. grandpa did almost the exact same Yeah, thing. and it's so weird. It's like, is that memories coming through their brain? Or is that something, like, right before they die, are they seeing this kind of stuff? Or is that an actual plane of existence where other people's spirits are? Yeah. And they're reaching out to them? Or like what is guiding it? them you know? to their... I remember my grandma talking about seeing people hugging. Yeah. As if they were, like, celebrating her arrival home. You hear about it a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... To me, that's what this movie is about, is it's about that plane of existence in our mind. Mm-hmm. Where do we go? What do we do? How do we get there? And this guy, like, he figured it out. Where do we go? Nobody wants to chime in on some guns you, Axel. <laughs> if you don't believe in anything, that's I fine. But <laughs> I think it just helps a lot of people just to have something to believe in, like... Your dad, I'm sure, brought him Poison. a lot of peace to be safe. I wasn't going to do I thought about <laughs> Go it. Go ahead. You're doing it. Give you something to believe it. Sorry, that was... Was that the Randy Newman That was Newman Randy version? Newman. Sorry. Short people, guys. Short people. <laughs> I raised you better than Talk duty to me. <laughs> I feel you, though. Your grandma went through that, and she saw it, and your grandpa... I mean, that it's weird to experience stuff like that, because yeah. you think... I don't know. Let's give a really quick. Uh, I want to start my. I want to start the ratings. Go. Oh, sure. I want to go first. Get it. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Good really? ratings. Were you eager to do that so we didn't play? Does Ian like it? Did you just want to get that out? <laughs> <Just snip laughs> does that in the Ian oh it's like it? Screw you guys. It's a seven and a half. I, really I would like to it. start the campaign to fucking nip that shit in the bud. You gotta have between s- six and eight's great. You gotta have segments on a show yeah. sometimes. Yeah. That's what. Why does it have to be a segment that makes no sense? I don't hate everything. <laughs> it does make sense because it's so funny. He, he liked this movie. Re- good, bad, ugly? Uh, I give it a seven and a half because, um, like I said, I was a little confused on the on the whole, like, I, I agree to disagree with your means. I don't think it was explained well enough to where it's open to speculation i get that but without like a more like definitive answer it doesn't have to be an exact answer but something that could have led me uh to believe what you said that um pitter patter uh that that, (laughs) it's only when i talk you know i think she responds to my voice um i think that there would have been more breadcrumbs to lead us down that path instead of like a, a a very open worldwide uh speculation um to that uh, it's, those those are kind of like my pros and cons. Uh, other than that, I don't really have a lot of cons from the movie, to be honest with you. Like I said, there was just that little nitpick of him crossing the train track. And when that train came, I'm like, he has plenty of time to run and jump on that. But um, that was honestly, those are really the only nitpicks I could think of. His girlfriend was very kind of like bipolarist, I thought too, to where it's like one minute she was like, <laughs> "I'm very, done with you." I'm done with you. And I then love she's her. just like, "I love you so much, baby." But I get at the same time like, 
that was his brain going back and forth. And I did get you that. love her, or did you I love those thighs? Thought she was great. Those thighs, yeah. <laughs> hey, let's let's give a you want a side of thighs with that? her small boobies. I That's liked it. Them. I wasn't. Gonna I say really liked them though. Did. Yeah. All boobies are good. Yeah. Oh, Everybody, yeah. all boobies. She was I'm the a, MVP for that I, one. A, My boobies look are at good. Trent. You could tell by his face that he rewound that shit a couple times. I never realized that she showed skin in the movie, but uh, ever since I saw her in Rush Hour, I um, hey, there were There were a lot of... She's actually a decision accomplished. She's deceased. She is... Did she really? She is, she is gone from this earth. Um, really? Alcoholism, I, I think, got her. I think that's what it was. Cirrhosis of liver. It was but, quite literally the drink that killed her. But Again, she struck got, her. They, oh, they actually like picked her character over a lot of picked her. It took like three hundred auditions to get her, and she was the first to audition. They went back to her and liked her the most. But like J Lo and a bunch of other people that were fairly coming into their own at the time auditioned mm. for this role and did not. Get I like it. Tim Robbins, but I don't think he could have scored J Lo. Tim Robbins, though, I'm telling you right now. Here's another thing. Good joke, my bad. No, I was being serious. <laughs> I trampled all over that joke. I was being serious. It was. I mean, well, he was married at the time with a kid. He's married to Susan Sarandon. Still, yeah, they she's had a, like a hey two year old at the time. Rocky Horror. She's she's good. I see a lot of skin in that movie. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. But isn't it being healed off? It's most, mostly meatloafs. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Anyway, uh, they picked Tim Robbins though because they had people like Don Johnson was up for the role. Mickey Rourke, uh, Al Pacino. There's a bunch of different people that were fairly famous at the time that were up for the role. They picked Tim Robbins because he was going against type because he'd done only comedies at the time. This was his first dramatic role, and it totally changed his trajectory in his life for his career because he started getting roles for, you know... Serious dramas. Those at, are all good this. actors. I just can't see anybody else doing that. He was perfect Robbins. in this. Yeah, I think he was perfect. What do you think, Wills? I really loved this movie. I thought it was really good. I'm gonna give it an eight. Like I said, it was uh, one of those movies where the journey was more interesting than where it actually wound up. So, I really enjoy a good uh, horror movie that can keep me guessing, like what the hell's going on. So for that, it gets an eight for me. My turn? Yeah, uh, cons, no ladders. Uh, that, that took a few points away from me. Um, but no, when I first started watching it, I was kind of... It took a little bit for me to get into it, because it kind of seemed like just kind of another generic 90s movie when it first started going. But yeah, by the end, I was kind of I was kind of sucked in a little bit. It was very trippy. I liked all the imagery. I like, I like movies that you could go back and watch and, and kind of, like we did tonight, kind of pick apart a little bit, because it wasn't really like a straightforward story. So I like movies like that. So I ended up really enjoying it, and I would give it a 7. That's my score. Sweet. I will go with an 8. It's not my favorite horror movie or psychological thriller of all but time. it's up there, right? It's but it's probably top 5, top 10 psychological thriller. It was one of those movies that when it came out, it was number one for one weekend, and people could not understand it. And... Child's Play 2 took it over the very next week. Now weekend. that's a movie. I <laughs> Piece of shit. I hate you've, Child's You've play. never like uh, looked at your daughter's dolls and thought they could come to life and murder you in your sleep? 
I mean, some of them child, do. Nah, Child's I love, Play. I love Brad Dourif, but I hate Child's Play. Child's Play had me terrified of my battle trolls when I was a kid. I guess I was like old when it came out. So I, if I was young, that movie would have affected me. But like yeah. I was in my college years when, well, I was at, like at least junior, senior high school when that movie came out. It was hey, soft. Child's Play is a movie we could do on this podcast. Or did we do it? What? We, we talked it about it. We talked about doing it. Really? What's the doll's name that it's kind of based on? The My Buddy doll? Sid yeah. the Boy? My Buddy, My Buddy. No. Wherever I go, <laughs> you go. Yeah, it was based on My Buddy. Mm-hmm. I thought that's what it was called in the movie. End. What's he called in the movie? Uh, I thought he was called My Buddy. No. It's called the Buddy doll, isn't it? Yeah. It's something like that, but the My, my Buddy is a real doll. Yeah. Okay. I just sang the theme I song. <laughs> okay. you're, I mean, you're right. I just I wasn't thinking of that. Anyway, I give it an eight. <laughs> it was uh, well acted, mm-hmm. uh, well directed, great cast. I don't Very remember. Well I don't yes. remember the the sound effects, but I feel like they were just good enough to be effective. They were good. I don't remember like a soundtrack per se. But uh, the sound effects—it was—it was like quite calm in many scenes and was a little boring, but it seemed like real life. Well, just the beginning, like yeah. the last hour, I thought was really good because it kept you guessing, and you're like, "All right, something's obviously not right here." Yeah. So, but it just took a little bit to get there. And I guess I guess we should have put a warning because there is a big reveal at the end. <laughs> We've already talked about it multiple times. Well, but again, when a movie's thirty years old, yeah, you should have watched it by now. Out, if you yeah. haven't seen this, you need to watch it. But. Like, it was one of those movies good I watched. Dolls. Sorry, it was Good Guy Dolls oh, yeah. in, the, in the movie. My oh, buddy okay. was the real good guys. Also, uh, be aware if you're prone to seizures, because even for me, that party scene with all the flashing lights was intense. Yeah. I had to close my eyes a little and scream because yeah. the lights were too much. It was a lot. All I had to say was doggy style. Doggy mm. style? Bam. That was an intense dance. The remake yeah. was called Buddy. Sorry. She had that, the remake was all that tentacle was all up in that. Hate it, but all it up in that business. Great. I hate it. I hear the show's really good though. Child's Play. Child's Play remake. He was called Buddy. That's what I was. And I said I hated that. Movie. Good guy in the. Original. I just wasn't. I, I'm Hamill? a huge Brad Dourif fan. I yeah. love Brad Dourif. I love his daughter in movies, <clears> yeah. but I just I did not like Child's Play. Yeah, like it. Well, now we're gonna do an episode on it. Stay tuned, everybody. Okay. We're gonna, make, right. we're gonna make we're gonna make me and talk about child's play. I don't like any child's play movies. Uh, any he just doesn't even like the concept. Child's play, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't like, like killer dolls are all right, but it's got to be more scary than that. Like that, it seemed like, and I guess that was the time late eighties slashers got goofy, but it just seemed fucking goofy as hell. It, and it wasn't funny to me. What's goofy so. about a serial killer being... So you said you were like, what, 11 or 12 when Child's Play came out? What? You said you were like 11 or 12 when Child's Play came out? No, I was a senior in high school. Oh, shit. Or no. Child's Play 2 came out in 90, so I would have been a junior in high school when Child's Play 2 came out. See, I could see how you might have thought, like, Psh, I ain't scared of no stupid dogs exactly. at that age. This is I Child's mean, Play. But for me, like, when I watched Child's Play, like I said, it had me scared of my Battle Trolls. Yeah. I don't know if y'all remember Battle Trolls, but those little things were scary in their own right. And I had all of them, and I had them all lined up. Yeah, they had And the I remember the first hair. time I watched Child's Play, and I was trying to go to bed, I was like, they're all just looking at me. I covered them up with a blanket. Speaking of battle trolls, I heard you doing some uh, <clears throat> some rapping down in Louisville in a couple weeks. Well, you know, I might do a little something. something. We'll we do, we'll, let's hear about that. Let's plug that. 
quickly. Trolls. Quickly. It's yeah, our group's called I Battle would, Trolls. I gotta, we, uh, like, pull up the info because I can't just tell you off top. He doesn't remember where he's going to be. I wasn't ready for this. We're kind of a rapper now, right? Uh, well, I've been doing it for a while. It's kind of just a hobby now. It's a good time, but... You got actual so, albums out of here. So you're saying you're a rapper kind of like we're podcasters. Yeah. I'm just sorry, I don't fun. know what's going on right what, now. Is that you? Nope, it's not me. But it's coming from your phone? It is coming from my oh, phone. Oh, I was so fucking... I was so confused. I was looking around. I was like... So other things we need, to, we need to talk about. We've got a film festival coming up. It's called Horror at the Ohio. It's October 21st and 22nd of this year in Madison, Indiana at the Ohio Theater. It's going to be sure awesome. Make sure you come check that out. That's going to be two days of horror fun. There will be costume <clears> contests <throat> and bands and Ray Band and uh, trivia and tons of international horror films, shorts and features. What you got? Get it. Oh, that show that he was speaking of is uh, it's in Louisville this Friday, July 22nd at uh, WWME Hall. It is located at... Five eight zero zero Fern Valley Road in Louisville, Kentucky. Right on. I will be performing on stage with some uh, friends. Take some video and put it on our socials. Some other dope artists. How can he take video? <coughs> so we need to we need to put stage. this. He's got a video. We need guy. to put this episode out Wednesday now. <laughs> I actually could, as you can see from like the poster. It's up to you. Whenever is that you one of you? It. No, that's <clears throat> that's Demented? some guys from Demented, but. People will be wearing scary masks while they perform at the show. Are they like horror, like rappers? Yeah. Horrorcore? I think so. Is yeah. that what they call that horrorcore yeah. rap? Horrorcore. Are you one of those, or are you just a rapper? I do a little bit of everything. You know, I've heard it both ways. He, Bluegrass? He goes both ways. Sorry. You heard it here first. I, I swing both ways with the baseball bat. Just cock. So he's referring to All right, well, that's all we got. Thanks for uh, joining us on the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. I'm Ian. And I'm Trent. <laughs> oh, my God. And that means his dog. Across the floor. Rap, wrap us out there, rapper. Yep, this is the Horror You Know. You put That's your rap? You put him on the spot. <laughs> no one's coming to this show now. This is the Horror You Know for show. Nobody's coming to my show, but I accept that fact, and I'm still going to blow. Shadows dance. Evil will rise. Well, I'm on your sweater already. Y'all, we get one chance. Do right. not miss your chance to blow. Speaking of which, I'm going to go play. So now it's time to let the horror you know again.